sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my brother from another mother, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, my friend? Foltz, I feel good, man. How are you? I feel great. Uh, Steve and I have been in the studio today recording a lot of different things. Um, You've probably heard us mention on past episodes that we do have a YouTube page out there that we hadn't really contributed a whole lot to in the last, oh, I'd say, three years. We did a couple of... um, uh, what do you call them? After shows where we discuss more in depth some of some of our episodes. But uh, what we're doing now is we're uploading some of our episodes to YouTube in case uh, you know you ever just want to put it up on your TV or if you just want to watch it on your phone. I mean, there's nothing to really watch. It's it's mostly just audio. But we have you know we put up a couple pictures in there. But we just want to be able to uh, reach a broader uh, spectrum of uh of listeners and youtube seems to be the ticket and also steve what else have we have we put out recently oh tiktoks man we've been doing the tiktoks yeah tiktoks we're probably the only people in their 40s that are putting out tiktoks (laughs) but uh it's cool um we uh you have to go out and check it if if you have a tiktok or if you if you want to just pick it uh, or pull it up and download it we can be found at uh, subtle beast pc on tiktok and of course on youtube we just uh were as a subtle beast podcast but go out there at tiktok we we only got two videos out there but uh check them out share them uh <clears throat> with people uh they look really simplistic but let me tell you uh the one that we uploaded today took us oh probably well over an hour to do trying to get different shots we changed the ideas and um you, you'll probably see a theme going on uh on the on the first two tiktoks we put out and uh we're, we may stick with that with that platform and it's just another way for us to uh promote our podcast with uh throwing in maybe a little of our favorite movies maybe a little bit of our favorite tv shows so check it out but uh, I'll give one little spoiler alert if, you, if you're hoping to see me and Steve's mugs show up in these TikToks. As of yet, with the two that we've put out, we haven't done that yet. But, oh, that's right. But we're uh, we're pretty proud of what we put together. They may not be the most technical in the world, but they're just good fun. So check them out and uh, share them with your friends and family. And if you have kids, have them pull up their TikToks. I guarantee you that they probably have that. But... Uh, so yeah, so we were working on that, and now we're working on our show, and today we've uh, we got something special, because if you recall, if you listened to our last episode on uh, gen modification, or genetic modification, we said that our next episode was kind of going to coincide with that, and obviously you can tell from the title that we're going to be talking about psychopaths and sociopaths, and... Well, Steve, why don't you talk a little bit about the the Gen Mod? And I know that you want to talk a little bit about the precog. Yes. Yeah, so, um, as far as uh, this show, it's going to be cool. We're going to go over some newfound uh, information that just came out really recently, and as that gets developed, we'll talk about how we can maybe better our society or possibly 
debate whether we should even do some changes here coming up. So um, that that's all I want to say about it at this point in the show. We'll talk about it kind of as it develops. Yeah. So we're we'll we'll go into like the ethical standpoint of it, right? Um, because and and what we meant by like precog. If you're not familiar with uh, the Tom Cruise movie, what is the name of the movie, Steve? Minority Report. Yeah, Minority Report. And basically, they in that movie they're arresting people before that they've even done something. So how can you go about? prosecuting or arresting somebody for something that they haven't done yet. So we're going to touch on that uh, and we're going to dive right in here to the differences and similarities between psychopaths and sociopaths. So scientists, they have established a key biological difference between uh, psychopaths and quote unquote normal people. Now the research found that a stratum region of the brain was on average 10% larger in a psychopathic individual compared to a control group of individuals that had low or no psychopathic traits. Neuroscientists from the Nyang Technical University in Singapore and the University of Pennsylvania and California State University, they've discovered a biological distinction between psychopaths and non-psychopaths. They were using a magnetic res- resonance imaging, or an MRI, scans. Scientists discovered that the stratum, an area of the forebrain, was 10% bigger in psychopathic people compared to a control group of individuals with a low or no psychopathic traits, which that's pretty incredible that they can identify them just by based on the percentage of the, uh, the size of the brain. 10% is pretty big, so that, that would be like having... Well, I mean, and that's on the inside of your body, but if every psychopath had a wart or something that was very large on the outside of your skin, you'd be able to look at it and say, oh, there's a psychopath. Right. But now we're able to look through MRIs at people and say, oh, there's a psychopath. That's right. And one of the statistics that uh, we came across from doing this research is that one out of every hundred people has psychopathic traits. Now, if you can imagine going to a concert or going to a festival or going to a play or going to see your kids play their musical instruments or sing in their choir, uh, there's a lot more than 100 people in there, which means that there's probably a handful of people in there that have psychopathic traits. Now, psychopaths or those with psychopathic qualities are people who have an egotistical and antisocial disposition. This is often characterized by a lack of guilt for their actions, a lack of empathy for others, and in some cases, criminal tendencies. The stratum, which is the part of the forebrain, the subcortical region of the brain that encompasses the whole cerebrum, coordinates numerous elements of cognition, including motor and action planning, decision-making, motivation, reinforcement, and reward perception. Now, previous research has shown that psychopaths have an overactive stratum, but the influence of its size on behavior has yet to be confirmed. The new research demonstrates a significant biological difference between people who exhibit psychopathic tendencies and those who do not. While not all people with psychopathic qualities end up violating the law, and not all criminals satisfy the criteria for psychopathy, there is a strong association. There is also significant evidence that psychopaths is associated with more aggressive behavior. I mean, if you think back through uh, many of the uh, 
serial killers. Uh, you think about Dahmer. You think about Gacy, guys like that. They went on and they killed many, many people and had no remorse about it. So if you have no remorse, I mean, typically that falls directly into psychopathic tendencies. So they don't, if they don't have any remorse, they're not even really thinking about the consequences is, is what I think and what I understand. Well, also with that, you have to think about the new age of serial killers, which is uh, live gun shootings. Like right. when you have school shootings or a mall or a parade, those people that are doing that, they fall into the same category. It's just the newest wave of that hitting our society. Right. And, you know, there, there, there's a lot of theories out, out right now about a lot, uh, a lot of the mass shootings that are going on that these people may even be part of like a, like a, um, a government uh, project, maybe even like MK Ultra and such, which we discuss in past podcasts. So if, you, if you're interested in that, go check it out. We are going to be putting out one on MK Ultra. Uh, probably here within the next few months or so. Uh, interestingly enough, before we get back into psychopaths, we had someone reach out to us that was claiming to be part of these MK Ultra projects. So if you're listening, please reach out to us again. He was uh, he was afraid for himself. He he, he didn't want his name to be displayed. We were going to distort his voice and everything. And he kept contacting us and saying, "Please, you know, we got to do this soon." Uh, we weren't able to put it together fast enough, and then we haven't heard back. So if that's you, please reach out to us. Now, the understanding of the role of biology in antisocial and criminal behavior may help improve existing theories of behavior, as well as inform policy and treatment options. To conduct their study, the neuroscientists scanned the brain of 120 participants in the United States and interviewed them using Psychopathy Checklist Revised, a psychological assessment tool to determine the presence of psychopathic traits in individuals. Assistant Professor Olivia Choi from the NTU School of Social Scientists and Neurocriminologist, who co-authored the study, said, Our study's result, results help advance our knowledge about what underlies antisocial behavior such as psychopathy. We find that in addition to social environment influences, it's important to consider that there can be differences in biology, in this case the size of the brain structure, between antisocial and non-antisocial individuals. Now, just because maybe you don't like to go out all the time or be hanging out with anybody, don't worry, that doesn't necessarily mean you fall into the category of antisocial. People always joke around, I, well, I'm kind of antisocial. You're not. You just uh, would rather stay home. Dude, I was in uh, college and I took, oh, it was Psych 101. Psych 101. First day we go in there, the teacher says, we're going to go over a lot of mental illnesses and you're going to think you have every one of them. You don't. It's just what, what we're studying right now. So don't go running off to a psychiatrist or a shrink and telling them, oh, I, I took a Psych 101 class. And now I think I have this, this, and this. Right. That's kind of like someone that... Um has a cold or, or the flu, and then they start looking up and they're like, oh my gosh, I think I have cancer, or I, I, I think I have <laughs> Ebola, or, or whatever. It's just, you don't, and don't read too much into it. Exactly. Now, there's a professor named Adrian Rain from the Departments of Criminology, Psychology, Psychiatry, and Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, who co-authored the study. They stated, because biological traits such as the size of one stratum, can be inherited to a child from a parent. 
These findings give added support to neurodevelopment perspectives of psychopathy that the brains of these offenders do not develop normally throughout childhood and adolescence, which begs the question, going back to um, gen modification or genetic modification, if, if a person, if a man or a woman ends up having a, having a child with, uh, with somebody else who is a, is a confirmed psychopath, is that something that we should allow you know, within the world's governments, different governments in different countries, because that goes hand in hand with the precognition. Should we be allowing this based off of things that people haven't even done yet, such as should we should that child be brought into the world without gen- genetic modification, or should these people even be quote unquote allowed to have offspring? Because, I mean, I think we could all agree that less psychopaths in the world would be great. But on the same token, just because you're a psychopath doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to act on it. So it, it opens up a whole lot of questions. Now, I would firmly say, uh, I'll use myself as an example. If I was a confirmed psychopath and me and my wife had a child and there was a genetic modification to be able to check to see if they do carry that trait or if their brain is going to be 10% bigger and they were able to go in and remove that, I would definitely be a proponent and be uh, an advocate for removing that gene or that protein so that they wouldn't grow up to be a psychopath. Because whether or not they're going to act on it in a criminal nature, you don't necessarily want them to grow up to be antisocial or to even maybe even have these dark thoughts all the time because that could trigger even more things such as depression. And then now we're talking about medications getting added, added in. I, for one, would want that to, uh, to be removed I don't think that we should um, prohibit anybody from procreating. I mean, mean, that's a choice that people have, and I don't think that any government should ever be involved in in, in that decision. But, uh, you know, it's something to think about. Yeah, my opinion is very similar. I think that if we're able to identify this 10% enlargement in the stratum in the brain, and every psychopath has that, there should be a way for us with medical science, because I'm a, a huge fan of medical science, to eliminate that in future generations. So I'm not saying that if you have that now that anything should happen to you, um, but it should just not go forward. Correct. If we have the technology to be able to remove psychopaths from our day-to-day life across the across the globe, uh, uh, like I said, I'm for it because we could really lessen the crime and all the violent situations that take place in, in, in our day-to-day lives. Um, Steve, do you want to talk about uh, Professor Robert Shug? Let's see here. Professor Robert Shug from the School of Criminology, Criminal Justice and Emergency Management in California State University, Long Beach, who co-authored this study, added... The use of psychopathy, checklist revised, is a community sample remains a novel scientific approach, helping us understand psychopathic traits in individuals who are not in jails and prisons, but rather in those who walk among us each day. Highlighting the significance of the work done by the joint research team, Associate Professor Andrea Glenn from the Department of Psychology and the University of Alabama, who is not involved in the research, stated... By replicating and extending prior work, 
This study increases our confidence that psychopathy is associated with structural differences in the stratum, a brain region that is important in a variety of processes and important for cognition and social functioning. Future studies will be needed to understand the factors that may contribute to these structural differences. I'm liking it. So they're going they're going pretty deep there. They're saying that it's probably true that that brain structure changes things for people. I, I mean, I would think so. Now, they go on to say that the results of the study that were, that were published recently in the peer-reviewed academic publication of the Journal of Psychi- Psychiatry Research or Psychiatry Research. I mean, and this is this was done as early as uh, in June of 2022. Now, the bigger stratum, larger appetite for stimulation, though, or through analysis of MRI scans and the results from the interviews to screen for psychopathy, the researchers linked having larger stratum to an increased need for stimulation through thrills and excitement and a higher likelihood of impulsive behaviors. The stratum is the part of the basal ganglia, which is made up of a cluster of neurons deep in the center of the brain. The basal ganglia receives signals from the cerebral cortex, which controls cognition, social behavior, and discerning which sensory information warrants attention. Now, in the past two decades, the understanding of stratum has expanded, yielding hints that the region is linked to difficulties in social behavior. Previous studies have not addressed whether the stradial enlargement is observed in adult females with psychopathic traits. The neuroscientists say that within their study of 120 individuals, they examined 12 females and observed for the first time the psychopathy was linked to the large stradium in females, just as in males. In human development, the stradium typically becomes smaller as a child matures, suggesting that psychopathy could be related to the differences in how the brain develops, which I think is interesting that they that they decided to do females as well, because when it comes down to a serial killing and such, which would go hand in hand with acting out on this criminal behavior, there's not too many, as far as I know, throughout history of women serial killers. But that's not to say that a woman that's a psychopath that has these antisocial behaviors and, and has this craving for stimulation and thrills and excitement doesn't end up, you know, turning around and killing her spouse or God forbid her entire family just one day snaps because that doesn't typically get categorized or categorized as a uh, serial killer, but you never know. So I'm glad that they were able to isolate that. It's not just in, in one, in in one person or as far as a, a male or female. Now the assistant professor Choi he suggested a better understanding of the stradium's development is still needed. Many factors are likely involved in why one individual is more likely to have psychopathic traits than another. Psychopathy can be linked to the structural abnormity in the brain that may be a developmental in nature. At the same time, it's important to acknowledge that the environment can also have effects on the structure of the stradium. So if you live like in a high-stress area or let's say that you're being abused as a child, that could tend that could tend to have you turn off something in your mind of or have you be able to deal with stress in a whole different way that eventually it doesn't even bother you or that you may even start to like it and be like you know what i'm going to carry out these same behavioral traits that i was or that i learned in my environment so again it can be a really slippery slope on how these psychopaths are 
created, if you will. Now, Professor Rain added, we have also known that psychopaths go to the extreme lengths to seek outward rewards, including criminal activities that involve property, sex, and drugs. We are now finding out that the neurobiological underpinning of this impulsive and stimulating behavior in the form of enlargement to the stradium, a key brain area involved in rewards, the scientists hope to carry out further research to find out the causes of the enlargement of the stradium in individuals with psychopathic traits. That's good, man. That is good. That is. Now, not all criminals satisfy the criteria for psychopathy. There is a strong association, though. There is also significant evidence that psychopathy is associated with more aggressive behavior. The understanding of the role of biology in antisocial and criminal behavior may help improve existing theories of behavior, as well as inform policy and treatment options. To conduct their studies, the neuroscientists scanned the brains of 120 participants in the United States and interviewed them using the psychopathy checklist, revised a psychological assessment tool to determine the presence of psychopathic traits in individuals. So, what, I'm trying to see where we where we go. Now, okay, so we, we talked about, uh, oh, so, I'm sorry. Here we go. I lost my place for a second. Now, uh... I think I think we're moving on to the next section, if I'm not mistaken, right, Steve? I think we are. Okay, cool. So that was the first basis and explanation of a psychopath. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do a little bit of a sociopath versus psychopath, and what's the difference? Steve, why don't you kick us off? Medically reviewed by Smitha Bondry, MD, on uh, February 14th of 2022. So this is all relatively new stuff. That first one uh, was... Just in June that they came out with uh, the difference genetically, and now this is reviewed in February 14th. So you may have heard people call someone else a psychopath or a sociopath, but what do these words really mean? You won't find the definitions in Mental Health's official handbook, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Doctors don't officially diagnose people as psychopaths or sociopaths. They use different terms instead, like antisocial personality disorder. I would think that uh, that's probably the best because you don't want a patient in there and be like, well, we got your results back. You're a psychopath. You're a psychopath because you're going to take that information home with you and be like, well, if I'm a psychopath and there's nothing that I can do about it, maybe you're going to be more likely to act out on these behaviors and possibly become a dangerous individual to be around. So most experts believe psychopaths and sociopaths share a similar set of traits. People like this have a poor inner sense of right and wrong. They also can't seem to understand or share another person's feelings. But there are some differences, too. Do they have a conscience, Volts? Well, a key difference between a psychopath and sociopath is whether he has a conscience. The little voice inside us that lets us know when we're doing something wrong says... L. Michael Tomskin, he's a psychologist at the Sacramento County Mental Health Treatment Center. A psychopath doesn't have a conscience. If he lies to you so he can steal your money, he won't feel any moral qualms. Though he may pretend to, he may observe others and then act the way that they do so he's not found out about, Tompkins said. Now, a sociopath typically has a conscience, but it's weak. 
They may know that taking your money is wrong, and they might feel some guilt or remorse, but that won't stop their behavior. Both lack extreme empathy, the ability to stand in someone else's shoes and understand how they feel. But a psychopath has less regard for others, says Aaron Kipnis, Ph.D., author of The Midas Complex. Someone with this personality type sees others as objects he can use for his own benefit. Now, are they always violent? In movies and TV shows, psychopaths and sociopaths are usually the villain who kill and torture innocent people. But in real life, some people with antisocial personality disorder can be violent. Pardon me. But most are not. Instead, they use manipulation and reckless behavior to get what they want. At worst, they're cold, calculating killers, Kipnis says. Others, he says, are skilled at climbing their way up the corporate ladder, even if they have to hurt someone to get there. If you recognize some of these traits in a family member or coworker, you may be tempted to think you're living on or living or working with a psychopath or sociopath. But just because a person is mean or selfish, it doesn't necessarily mean they have a disorder. A lot of politicians come to mind when I talk about that, that all they want to do is just keep rising through the ranks and become powerful people regardless of, uh, of who they hurt. And gosh, that's on both sides of the aisle. Definitely. Um, I've seen it many times. And it just, now whether they're sociopaths or psychopaths, maybe they're, maybe they're not, maybe they are, but uh, maybe they're or a cold-hearted psychopath, a hot-headed sociopath. Steve, is it easy to spot them? It's not. It's not easy to spot a psychopath. They can be intelligent, charming, and good at mimicking emotions. They may pretend to be interested in you, but in reality, they probably don't care. They're skilled actors whose sole mission is to manipulate people for their personal gain, Tompkins says. Sociopaths are less able to play along. So there's a difference there. They make it plain that they're not interested in anyone but themselves. They often blame others and have excuses for their behaviors. Some experts see sociopaths as hot-headed. They act without thinking how others will be affected. Psychopaths are more cold-hearted and calculating. They carefully plot their moves and use aggression in a planned-out way to get what they want. If they're after more money or status in the office, for example, They'll make a plan to take out any barriers that stand in their way, even if it's another person's job or reputation. I think I've come across some of these people in my day. I definitely have. Uh, Now, there's brain differences, too. Research suggests a psychopath's brain is not like other people's, obviously. It may have physical differences that make it hard for the person to identify with someone else's distress. The differences can even change basic body functions. For example, when most people see blood or violence in a movie, their heart beats faster, their breath quickens, and their palms get sweaty. A psychopath has the opposite reaction. He gets calmer. Kipnis says that a quality, that, that quality helps psychopaths be fearless and engage in risky behavior. They don't fear the consequences of their actions, they say, which again goes to show that if a psychopath, if, they are, if they're craving killing that they're just going to do it because not only do they not care they they often tend to think that they're smarter than everybody else and that they're not going to get caught uh there was a there was a a situation a few years back probably more than a few years Uh, i can't remember the guy's name offhand but he had killed 
his wife and unborn child, dumped him off the side of a boat and basically went on with his day-to-day life. He went out playing golf, this, that, and the other thing. And law enforcement were kind of cracking down. They thought that it was him. He even went on like uh, Diane Sawyer's interviews and such. And you could tell that he was carrying these psychopathic traits because they would ask him questions and they would be talking about his wife and the dead baby that they found washed up on the shore. And not one tear was ever shed from this individual. And I mean, I'd have to think that not only uh, if you were innocent, would would you uh, you'd be break down with it with a with emotion anyway? But this psychopath claimed his innocence and really had no no thoughts one way or the other. He just sat there, spoke facts, and it was those interviews that eventually led to his arrest. Not only that, but then they ended up getting the. Um, the cell phone records and they found out that uh, that his car and his boat had been up at this uh, certain point in San Francisco and San Francisco Bay so they put it all together and I mean he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison and even then showed no remorse showed no sadness that he was going to be put away for life and gosh those people are, are really scary individuals because they're going to do it if they want to and unless you're aware that this person is, you may not be ready. You may not be armed. You may not have some type of escape plan if you're going to be around this person. Um, I I actually had spent some time with somebody that has has killed people, actually killed two people. Now, I don't know. I would have to assume that in, he was either a psychopath or a sociopath, but I don't know if he ever had remorse. But this individual over a thousand dollars that two people had owed them he took them out into the woods he shot them both in the face with a shotgun and set their bodies on fire he was 18 years old at the time and so was i because we were the same age and uh he was uh, he was a roommate of a of, of a friend of mine at college and like i said i spent a lot of time around this person and after he was convicted I would just thought to myself, gosh, it could have been any of us at any time. This guy was willing to go through all these lengths, just over a thousand dollars that was owed to him. And now he's been in jail uh, since he was 18 years old. He's been in jail longer than he was ever outside of jail because today he would be 45 years old. And gosh, I, I, I would have to think that if he's not a sociopath or a psychopath, that he's sitting in there because and thinking, why why did I do that? Because the way that I thought as an 18-year-old versus how I'm thinking today, sitting here as a, as a 45-year-old man, that I'd just be like, oh, God, you just want to talk to your younger self and be like, what were you, why did you do, you ruined your entire life? And it turned out that his whole family just, you know, they gave up on him because he had told them the whole time that he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And then his father came to him one day and they were talking, you know, at, at, at the window at the jail and his father told him, he's like, look, me and your mom are going to put up our house for sale and we're going to get you an appeal. And uh, this guy, I'm not going to mention his name, obviously, he said to his dad, he was like, don't do that because I did it. And his father just said, well, in that case, me and your mother are going to move away and we're never coming to visit you again. Now, whether they have in the last 20 years, I don't know, but uh, they really went to bat for him and were pleading that he was innocent only to find out later after he was convicted that he did it. That is a crazy story. It really is. I mean, 
just when I think back of of all the things that we did, you know, going to parties together, this, that, and the other thing, you know, doing doing some drinking. Uh, gosh, th- this kid could have snapped at any time, and it could have been me on the end of that shotgun with him trying to burn my body. You know, I'm not trying to be too graphic, but I just want to uh, to explain that, like we said at the beginning, like one out of every hundred people has psychopathic tendencies. Well, I've been around people like that, and he must have been good because I didn't see that in him. But it came out that he wanted his thousand bucks and you weren't going to give it to him. He's going to give it to you in the worst way possible. So should we be getting that genetic? And I'm not saying it's a genetic defect, but it's identifiable. So should we be getting that out of people? Right. When can we start acting on that? I mean, how would you go about that? Like something needs to be changed, altered in somebody's genetics so that in the next generation that isn't present anymore. Um, and then what do you do with the people that you've identified as being a psychopath, but haven't done anything wrong yet? They, they obviously should get to live their lives. Um, but do they get to have kids? You know, there's so many questions. There is. And I think that maybe the best way when genetic modification would catch up to the point where they're like, okay, we can remove that DNA or that protein from this uh, psychopath. So he doesn't pass it on to the child. If they can take it from the child while it's in womb, uh, that they should start with maybe people that are in prison that have been diagnosed as psychopaths, a man and a woman. Maybe you could even say, Oh, this will get you off death row. You're still going to do life in prison. But if you do this experiment, and so that we can see that and we can prove that we can remove this genetic coding from them that they won't grow up uh, to kill people just like you guys did. That would be a great start. I agree. And I think it definitely needs to be done. But I think it is also cool that we have gotten to the point where we can identify these things. Yeah, I think it's definitely needed. Um, I think that probably in schools across the nation and throughout the world, um, starting maybe uh, as early as like a junior high level, that some there should be a class or at least a teacher, or if you're taking if you're taking psychology, that these psychology teachers should be able to. It should be like a mandatory class that they take on identifying these things, so that they could possibly pass this information off to. Now, I don't want to say law enforcement because, like we said, they haven't done anything wrong yet, or maybe they won't. But maybe it should be on their radar so that they know that this person and possibly if they're diagnosed if this if this psychiatrist or um or this teacher of this class is able to identify that that information should not only just be passed along to law enforcement but should be passed on to some government agencies so that uh if this person ever tries to apply for any type of a gun gun permit or uh trying to buy you know a rifle and mass amounts of ammunition that maybe they should be denied and it should come up that They've been diagnosed as a psychopath. Now, again, does that infringe on rights because they haven't acted on anything yet? It comes down to really like a a, a, a moral judgment, and uh, I don't know. It's a tough one because you know I I hate to infringe on anybody's rights who hasn't done anything wrong, but at the same time, if it, it, if I was applying for some type of weapon versus beside somebody that was a psychopath, I would tend to be like maybe you shouldn't give it to them. But again, that's precognition and uh, should they be punished? And also there's a line. So if it's a 10% stratum uh, increase in a normal brain to a psychopath, uh, 
do you cut off the nine percent guys? Like if if it's a nine percent increase, that guy can buy a gun, but the ten percent guy can't. Yeah, it opens up a whole lot of doors and different discussions and different uh, ways of uh, trying to keep uh, humanity safe from these psychopaths that are looking for a thrill. And who knows? I mean, if they're able to come up with genetic modification to remove these proteins or gene from the DNA, maybe they'll be able to identify that this person's a psychopath in the way that they're antisocial, but they pose no threat to humanity. Can it get to that point? And some people might say, well, that sounds kind of complicated. Well, think about the 1980s if you were alive then versus the technology that we have today. Uh, it's 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 vast. It's humongous. Because I can remember as a kid thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if you were talking on the phone and you could actually see the person on the other end? Uh, it is. It's that's pretty awesome technology. Come forward a lot that uh, you know they do have FaceTime now, and me wanting that so much as a child. Now I never even use the technology, but it's there in case you want to use it or need to use it. So. I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, that's up for, for you guys to decide on what you think. And uh, if you want to reach out to us on YouTube or on TikTok, send us a message and think or give us your opinion. Should these people that are identified that haven't done anything wrong yet be penalized in any way, such as being able to not purchase a weapon or being separated from society or being on some type of government watch list. Now, again, like I said, I'm all for uh, for freedom and for, for rights, but at the same time, what if you were that doctor making that decision or you were that government official making that decision and you were like, nah, 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 just go let them, let them be able to purchase because they haven't done anything wrong yet. And then indirectly through that decision, one of your family members gets killed by this person and you could have stopped it, but didn't. That could head you down a really dark hallway. Or imagine if you were that psychopath and you have been manipulating people your whole life. You get to this point, you manipulate your way through it and you get to the other side of it and you're like, I can't believe they sold me this gun. I'm probably, I feel like I'm going to kill a lot of people with this gun. I can't believe they did it. I can't believe I slipped through the cracks again. Or if you did have this, if you did have this trait and they denied you of some right and you you weren't planning on killing anybody, could that trigger you to then do it? Be like, oh, you know what? The government stopped me from doing this or my doctor stopped me from being able to obtain this, that, or the other and, and take away some right. Well, now I'm going to take it out on them. So it begs the question, did you create that indirectly? It's uh, It's fascinating same time scary especially with the stat of one out of every hundred people carries a, a psychopathic or sociopathic uh tendency it's uh it's pandora's box i feel it is but it seems like we can get a hold of it through genetic modifications for the future generations so if we can cut down on these mass shootings and these uh psychopathic killers then awesome it'll be part of the history books i agree and uh so again what do you think? What are your thoughts? Should these people be removed from society? Should they have their rights stripped in some form? Or should they be hospitalized? Should they have their freedoms taken away and studied at a higher level? And let us know if you want when you reach out what your thoughts are on uh, when genetic modification reaches that level. Uh, should we first start with people that are already in prison, possibly death row, lower their sentence to life in prison, uh, without being uh, put to the chair or given the lethal injection, if they go ahead and create a child just so that 
scientists can prove that we can remove this gene and now this baby is going to be no threat to society. There it is. There it is. So that's our show on psychopaths and sociopaths and the differences and how to recognize them. Again, if, uh, if you're following us on the regular and you want to check out uh, some uh, and you haven't seen our after shows on some of the episodes that we put out, head out to YouTube, Subtle Beast Podcast, and go check out some of the fun that we've put together on TikTok. A uh, couple of uh, really neat videos out there that we had some fun with. Do that. Let us know. Subscribe. And uh, keep, uh, keep this conversation open by sharing this podcast with your family and friends. And because uh, me and Steve are just going to keep expanding on this, we got plans in the future to be doing more live shows, maybe not only here, but in, in other states. And we may be putting together some videos. Me and Steve have some ideas of some place that we want to visit and uh, do a little documenting, if you will, and see if some of these places, see if we can get away with it. Yeah. So hope you enjoyed yourselves today. I know I did. Had a lot of fun. Check us out on social media. And until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.